Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. I want you to close your eyes for a minute and uh, just imagine that today is your birthday. You're sitting down at a table and, and you've just finished a great birthday meal and you're wearing your little funny birthday hat and right in front of you is this beautiful birthday cake. And on that cake, it has those big candle numbers. You know the ones I'm talking about? It's like got the numbers and it's, it's, it's showing what, how old you are. And so on your cake, there's those big numbers. But instead of the number that is the age that you are today, imagine that it is the number of your age five years from now. Now, open your eyes. Are you still happy? Are you still excited that it's five years later? Does it still bring you joy when you think about your birthday? If it's five years from now, if it all just happened and you're right there, five years older, five years from now. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm 50 and I can't wait till I get to 55. I finally get that discount at Marshall's. Which if you know my wife and daughter, you know that's a big thing for me. I mean, seriously, uh, I am, I'm excited about what five years from now is going to look like for me. Uh, I mean, I'm excited about what God is doing in my family right now, what God is doing in the lives of my children. And I'm excited to see what they're going to look like in five years. I'm excited to see what God is going to do in all of you in five years, what God is going to do in our church in five years. And so when I think about five years from now, man, I am excited about it. I, I, I can't wait for it to happen. And I hope that you too look at it and that, that you are also excited about what the next five years Look, are going to look like part of our challenge, especially as we start the beginning of the year. Part of our challenge is, is we tend to focus on what we can do in the next year. We tend to focus on what we can do in just this year that's coming up instead of taking a longer look at what the next five years might look like, because the reality is for most of us. And I love this quote by uh, Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins is is one of the world's greatest motivational speakers. Uh, I, I know I've said this before, but there was a time in, throughout the entire decade of the 90s where he was never off the air. He had an info commercial somewhere in the world, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the entire 1990s. And so Tony Robbins, he says this. He said, most of us underestimate what we can do in the long term, but we overestimate what we can do in the short term. See, what he's saying is, is that for most of us, we tend to think that a lot of things can change short term. And we don't think about what can possibly happen for us in the long term. And that's our problem, is that we tend to be short-sighted and we tend to look for solutions that are right now. And we can't help it. Technology and culture has made it that way. It's made it so that our attention span is shorter, that we want things now. We, we want things to happen right away, right? We are looking for uh, 
Today, if there's an issue or a problem or something we need to solve, we want to know, is there a pill I can take? Is there a spray that I can spray on it? Is there something I can order from Amazon that will fix it? That will get here by tomorrow? Right? That, those are the things that we saw. We, we want all of these to happen today, and we are not looking at the long term. It's certainly true for churches. In the United States, well, in all of North America, so I guess it would include Canada too, but in all of North America, the average tenure for a pastor is three years at a church. That's how long the average pastor stays. Yeah, so I'm headed out of here. <laughs> Just kidding. Three years. There are some... Uh, Groups, uh, denominations where their policy is that they move the pastor out of a church every two years. Now, two years, three years, that is not long enough for someone to be in a community to really make an impact or make a difference. Two or three years isn't even long enough for you to, to know the people who are living in that community. And yet this is the trend that we're, that we're seeing. This is where it's going. And, and I, I want us to, 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 for a moment, just stop thinking about what is it that my life is going to look like in 2020, next year. By the time that we hit 2020, what will my life look at? And take a look at it from a longer arc. What could my life look, at, look like in 2024? In other words, I want us today to ask this question. Who could I be in five years? If, if this five years, we made a, I made a different thing. I did a, a different thing. I, I, I followed a different path. What could that five years look like? If I really went for it, if I gave it everything that I had. For some of you, what if in this next five years, you made the decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus for the next five years where you said, okay, you said in your word, I mean, Jesus was saying it, right? He said, I'm for you and I'm not against you. What if we really believe that? What if we believed when he said that there's nothing that can separate me from his love, right? Nothing in the earth and nothing in the heavens, nothing could separate me from his love. What if we operated that way for the next five years? How different could our lives be? What could I be in five years? I, I was, uh, I, some of you know I've been gone, and uh, I was in Denver. And while I was there, I uh, was thinking about this whole idea of what, what could we do in five years. And so I, I made a list. Five years. In five years, some of you could go back to school and get a degree. I'm doing it. Or you could... Finish your degree. Five years, that's easy. In five years, you could learn a brand new language. In fact, when I was uh, on my way here, uh, on my way back, that's all I saw at the airport were these advertisements uh, for this company, which you can learn a language in like 90 days. Imagine how fluent you would be if you did it for five years. Think about this. Five years from today... You could have read 60 books in five years. Now, this is how that breaks down. An average book is about 200 pages. If you read six pages a day, and how long does it take to read six pages a day? Five minutes to read six pages? (laughs) 
always a joker somewhere, right? Let's assume that the book is in English. Five minutes a day, six pages. Think about it. Five years from now, you could have read 60 books. You could have read books that are on how to be more patient. You could have read books on how to change the oil in your car. You could have read books on uh, uh, biographies of famous people. Imagine how different you would be if you spent that five minutes a day and five years from now, you had 60 books under your belt. You could learn a new skill. Some of you, you could learn how to cook and make everybody in your household happy. How about this? In five years, if you really set your mind to it, and yes, even here in the Bay Area, in five years, you could buy a house or pay off your house. In five years, you could make a significant dent in the amount of debt that you have. In fact, if any of you, um, you know, a couple of years back, we did Financial Peace University here. And one of the things that is so great about that is for every class, the average class in the first I think it's the first three weeks, uh, the, they, uh, the average amount of debt that's paid off per person in that group is like $5,600 just from learning how to manage your money differently. You could pay off debt. You could save money. $100 a month with interest. How much would that be five years from now? Or how about this? Five years from now, you could have completely transformed your life, your spiritual life. Five years from now, you could have made that decision. You know, it's an interesting thing. If you read the accounts of Jesus's life, whenever he's faced with a problem, whenever he he comes up against somebody who's trying to battle him, you know, what's the first thing he says. He says, you've heard it written or you've heard it said the how he comes up against people is with scripture. Now. I have memorized a lot of scripture. I know the verse, but I can't tell you where you find it. So thank goodness for Google. But think about this. If you just memorized one scripture a month, one a month, then five years from now, you would have in your arsenal 60 different scriptures. For everything that might come up, you could have them ready for you just like Jesus did. Completely transform who you are and how you operate. If you read one chapter in the Old Testament and one chapter in the New Testament every day, and how long does that take? Well, some of the chapters are long. So let's just say it costs you 10 minutes, right? After three years, you would have, I mean, after five years, you would have read the entire Bible through three times. At one chapter a day, you could have transformed your soul. But there's also a lot of bad things that could have happened, Right? Because in five years, if you're not paying attention, a lot of bad things can come into your life. How about in five years from now, you could have accumulated a lot of debt. Think about this. I did this calculation because sometimes I'm too lazy to pack a lunch, and so I buy a lunch. And lunch, say it's an average of $10, right? For one person, lunch. If you just one meal a week and you put it on a credit card, one meal a week, that's one meal. After five years, the amount of debt that you would have on that credit card from that one lunch a week is $5,600. 
$5,600. You could have five years of being in a marriage where you've, you've um, uh, you haven't paid attention enough to your spouse. You haven't paid attention enough to your family. And you do that for five years. And five years from now, you could be in the middle of an ugly divorce. Five years from now, you could have an uncontrolled habit, an uncontrolled drinking habit, an uncontrolled drug habit. And after five years, it's gotten so bad that you could be in the middle of or just starting a prison sentence. How about this one? This one was scary for me. If you don't do anything different in your life, but have one flavored latte a week... Just add it on one a week after five years doing nothing else different except adding on that one latte. You would have gained 33 pounds in five years. Now I'm starting to wonder how many lattes I've been drinking. (laughs) Five years seems like a long time, but it really isn't. I mean, think about all of the things that you were doing five years ago in 2014. For some of you, especially if you're in your 20s, man, five years ago might seem like a while. But for some of us, five years ago was like yesterday. I mean, we can we can we still have gas from the meal we ate five years ago. (laughs) But five years is long enough. It's long enough that we can all agree that if we don't look carefully at what five years looks like, that we can walk along that path for five years and be in a completely different place than we are now. In a a much, much better place or a much, much worse place. But man, some of us, I think, wouldn't the worst thing be to walk five years down the path of your life and you're in the exact same place that you are today? Five years later? So... The goal of, of this series, and, and, and if you're new to Grace Point, we always try to put our messages into series. And, and this series is called You in Five Years, and we're starting it today. And the goal of this series is, is pretty simple. It's that I want you to be excited about you five years from now. I want you to, to after this series, be excited about who you are going to be five years from today, five years from now. And, and today is just the introduction. Now, sometimes when we do these series, there, there are a series of different connected messages that, that have a theme in common. But this is one of those series where it's actually one big long message that we've chopped up into 30, 35-minute sections uh, so that we're not here all night. And so for you to really get this, you're going to have to come every week. Because this is just the introduction. I mean, if this were a meal, this isn't even the appetizer. This isn't, isn't even the drinks. This is just the guy handing you the menu. And, and I'm going to tell you right from the very beginning that, that what I want you to get out of today is this. Is that the ways you let in become the ways that you're set in. The ways that you let into your life are the ways that you become set in, that become set inside you. Now, you've heard, uh, you've probably heard in different places uh, this phrase that God works in mysterious ways. Have you heard that before? Right? God has his ways. Well, you and I, we have our ways too. 
We have certain ways that we do things. We have certain ways that we, that we make decisions about things. And, and, and our ways are the decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis. They're the words that we choose to use. They're, they're the decisions of whether or not to accept an invitation or to decline an invitation. The, the decision whether or not to go to this place or to stay at home. The, the decision of whether or not we're going to hang out with this person or we're going to stop hanging out with that person. Those decisions, those day-to-day things are our ways. And if you want to know what your ways are, it's easy to see them. Open up your phone and look at your calendar because that will tell you what your ways are. Open up your banking app and look at the way that you're spending money. That will tell you what your ways are. Open up all of your social media accounts and look at what you're posting on Instagram and what you're posting on Facebook. That tells you what your ways are. So we all have our ways. We all have the ways that we do things. And for some of us, the ways that we, the ways, our ways came to us because they were modeled from somewhere else. Right? For many of us, our ways are modeled to us by our parents. We watched our parents. We saw how they behaved. And so we deal with situations, with crisis situations, the same way our mother does. Or, or we make decisions about spending money the same way that our father does. Because that was what was modeled to us, and so that's what became our ways. For some of us, our ways came when we saw them modeled on television. Uh, there was an old show, which probably some of you don't remember, called The Brady Bunch. Man, I was all over that show. Because I was like, I wish I lived there. It was so big, so many kids. No, that wasn't a good thing. But the way that they parented on The Brady Bunch, I got to tell you, it was a big impact on how I parent. Because I watched it every day after school. It was modeled in front of me. And so that's how a lot of what I do comes out. Or how about social media? For some of us, even today, we're taking it in. We're watching it. We're looking at it. We wake up in the morning, and it's the first thing we reach for. We go to bed at night, and it's the last thing that we put down. And all of those little things that we see, whether, and here's the weird thing, whether you agree with it or not, when you see it, when you read it, it becomes part of your ways. And so the ways that we allow to impact our life, the ways that we make decisions, the ways that we watch and that are modeled for us, those ways become the ways that we are set in. And if we're not careful, then the ways that we don't want to be our ways are going to be our ways. We have to be, especially in this age, in this culture that we're in, we have to be very, very deliberate about it. Otherwise, it will happen without us even thinking. Many years ago, there was a guy named Paul who wrote much of what we call today in Scripture the Old Testament. But Paul was, was basically a church planter. He went around and he planted churches. He was a very educated man. And one of the things that he did was he wrote a lot of letters. And a lot of those ancient manuscripts, those letters that he wrote, survived. And so today we're going to look at something that he wrote to the church that he had started in the city of Rome. The ancient church that he started in the city of Rome. And this is what Paul says. And he's, he's saying this, and, and we're, we're going to look at what he's saying in the context of what our life is going to look like in five years. 
what you are going to look like in five years. This is what he says. He says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted. Now, I got to tell you, when I read that absorbed and exhausted, I really understand what he's saying. Have you ever had that feeling where life just makes you feel like it's just completely absorbed in you and you are exhausted? And see, Paul is telling us, listen, be careful. Make sure that you don't get so absorbed and so exhausted in taking care of all of your day-to-day obligations, in taking care of of your bills, in taking care of making sure that, that meals are cooked, in taking care of the laundry, in taking care of the kids, in all of those taking cares of your day-to-day obligations, that you lose track of the time and doze off. And then he says, oblivious to God. You know, even for people who have been Christians their entire lives. Maybe some of you here today or some of you who are watching us online, you've been a Christian your entire life. Haven't there been seasons where you've just kind of started going through the motions and and you find that it's a year later or it's two years later or it's five years later and you look back and you see all of the things that have happened in your life, but you can't see anywhere where God was working. It's not that you think that he wasn't there or that you believe he wasn't there. I mean, you know in your mind that he was there, but we're just oblivious to it because we lose track. We're so busy with the day-to-day things that we can't see where God is working in our lives. And so he says, the night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. See, he's, he's grabbing us by the shoulders and he's shaking us. And he's saying, listen, wake up. God is doing something all around you. Be awake to it. And then he says this. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight. Now, that word squander... That means that it, it, it means someone who has an abundance of something and is using it or spending it unwisely. And what Paul is telling us here is that, listen, we have an abundance of time. We have an abundance of minutes. We have an abundance of life. And we have to be very deliberate about how we spend it. We don't want to squander it. We don't want to just toss it aside. We don't want to let it go where it doesn't count. And then he tells us how we commonly squander it. He says, in frivolity and indulgence, in doing things that are completely useless, even though they kind of make us feel good, in sleeping around and dissipation. That word dissipation, um, in in the original word, it, it has this connotation of of doing things that you don't care if people see that you're doing them, right? For some of us, we do things we know we're not supposed to be doing, but we keep them hidden so you can't see. And yet some people get to this place where they do stupid things that they know that they shouldn't be doing and they don't care who sees anymore. In bickering and grabbing everything in sight. You ever been to, like, Walmart on 
Black Friday? Where they're just, I mean, they're just trampling over people and, 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 and there's a bin of dresses and people don't even care what size they are. They just grab a whole handful of them because they're only $8. Grabbing everything in sight. And the interesting, about this, interesting thing about this is, is that if we look at today what we see on television or what we see in movies as an evening of fun, it can easily be, des- be described as this, right? When guys go out and they're having a party, they're enjoying the night, they're hanging out with their friends, this pretty much describes what they do. So as we look at what Paul is saying, as we look at him saying, listen, you've got to be careful. You can't just let the time pass by. There are four things that I want to talk about. And usually we, we don't, I don't like doing this. I don't like saying, okay, here's four things. But these four things are not, these are four things you've got to do. They're more of a progression. And they're leading us to somewhere. And so the first thing that, that, that I want to talk about is, is, and these are all coming out of here what Paul is writing, but the first thing I want to talk about this is because Paul is telling us that time is not on your side. Time is not on your side. Time, it just comes at you fast. I remember when, um, when I was uh, in my 20s and people would say, man, you are going to blink and you will be 50. And I blinked. And I'm 50. And now I'm walking around going, oh, it's not going to happen again. No way. Right? But listen, I'm telling you, if you are in your 20s or you're in 30s, you are going to blink and a decade will have passed. It just goes and it goes and it goes and you can't stop it. It's not on our side. It's interesting because in that passage that we read, there are two words in Greek, in Greek that Paul used that mean time. He, he used the word, he used the word, wait, 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 no, I know how to say this. He used the word chronos and he, versus the word kairos. Both of these words mean time, and and in the passage that we read, they were both translated as time, but they have different meanings. So chronos is the general word for time. It's it's like the time that's on our watch. It's it's just time that passes. It's, It's a general expression of it. But the word kairos is specific. It's talking about a very specific time, like what time is dinner or what time is your plane boarding? it's not just a general thing. And so he draws the distinction between the two. He says, for the the general, the chronos, he says, beware of the time passing. But then he uses the word kairos and he says, because there is an end to it. There's a specific time where it's all going to be done. See, in this passage, what Paul is trying to remind us is, is that the time that we have, and there is time that we all have, but the time that we have is measured. That there's only a certain amount of time left. That pretty soon, that time is going to end. This is how uh, David, who was one of the ancient kings of Israel, who also had a lot of things that he wrote that ended up in the scripture. David wrote it like this. He says, you have made my life no longer 
than the width of my hand. And when he says that, he's, he's giving us this metaphor of, of somebody who's scooping up grain or scooping up dirt or scooping up sand and holding it in his hand. And, and it's just the width of his hand. That's all he can hold. That's all he can carry. And eventually the wind comes or you sneeze and it all falls out. And that's life. He says, my entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Have you ever been somewhere where it's so cold that you can see yourself breathing? Uh, This time yesterday, I was in Denver. And when I woke up yesterday morning, it was 19 degrees outside. It was beautiful. But I went outside of of the hotel I was at. I went outside. And when the breath in me that has been heating all day and all night at 98.6 degrees came out of me and hit that 19-degree air, it was beautiful. It was just a white puff of... But then it disappeared. Just like that. So the whole time I was going... Right? Because you just wanted to keep going. That's what David is talking about here. He's saying that our life is just like that. It's like a vapor. You, You breathe it out and it's gone. Now, you're all happy. You can go now. Right? Aren't you glad you came today? Listen, that's not what I'm leaving you with. That's not what I'm leaving you with. Because... The reality is, for most of us, is that we get that, don't we? The older we get, don't we get that there's only so much time? Don't we start to understand the older we get, the more time that passes, that, that there's a limit to it? Um, he would go on, David would go on, later on he would write this. He says, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. And this is an interesting thing because if you read it at first, you read it and you say, man, the best years are filled with pain and trouble. And says, how does that make any sense? How are the best years filled with pain and trouble? And for some of you who are younger and you're still in your best years or what you think are your best years, you may not get this. But let me, t- let me talk for a minute to those of you who are a little bit older. When you look back on the best years of life, when you, those of you who are married, who, when you look back at the beginning of your marriage, the best part of it, where you go, the good old days, weren't they the good old days because, man, it was just tough to make ends meet? It was tough to find a job. It was tough to take care of that new baby. Weren't those times that when you were in it, it was such a struggle? Aren't those the times that we look back on and we go, man, those were the good old days. The best years. Even though they're filled with pain and trouble, they were still the best years and soon they disappear and we fly away. And so he's he's now he's making this realization and now he's looking up and he's talking to God and he says, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Teach us to realize how short life can be so that we may grow in wisdom so that we may grow in wisdom. And life comes at you fast. It comes real quick. And, and the reality is for us, listen, the second thing, future you, is just an exaggerated version of current you. Future you, you in five years, is an amplified version of who you are today. 
And one of the things that we tend to do is we tend to romanticize the future. For many people, especially when you're younger, when you talk to somebody who's younger, and this is not an offense because I'm, listen, I, I, don't be offended if you're younger. I was exactly the same way. When I talk about my future when I was younger, I talked about it as if I had hit it big. Like, I don't know that when it would have happened, but when I talked about the future when I was younger, there was some time in there where everything changed. I hit the lotto. My rich uncle died. Something happened. And so when I talk about the future, man, I got this big, huge house, you know, multiple cars, uh, the places that I've gone. We tend to romanticize the future. We think it's going to be different. But the reality for us is that it's not. Future us is an exaggerated version of current us. And we think that somehow it's going to change, but it doesn't. See, it's this, it would be the equivalent of today I'm driving a Honda and I'm going to drive it for five years, ten years, and five years later, it's a, it turns into a Porsche. Isn't that how we tend to think about our future? And yet the reality is, is that if I am in a Honda and I drive it for five years, five years from now, I have a Honda with 100,000 more miles on it, but it's the same Honda. So it's, it, things don't change. So if you want to know what you're going to look like in the future, if you want to know what you're going to be like in five years, then look at who you are today. Because who you are today is going to just be, or who you are in five years is going to be an amplified, exaggerated version of who you are today. So if you are a kind person today, five years from now, you're going to be an even kinder person. You know why? Because your character, the the things that you do, who you are, man, it, it soaks deep inside you. It hardens when it's inside you. It ages in there. So if you are a generous person, then five years from now, you're going to be an even more generous person. If you're a disciplined person, five years from now, you're going to be an even more disciplined person. But if you are a rude person, five years from now, you're going to be even more rude than you are. If you're a cruel person, you in five years is going to be a cruel person. Because we are just an exaggerated version of who we are today. And that is why for those of you who are single, uh, and, uh, and this may seem self-serving because I have two single marrying age children. But listen, and for those of you who are single, don't ignore your parents' advice when they tell you about the person that you want to marry. I don't know why that's funny. That's not funny. Hold on. Do you hear that, kids? (laughs) Listen, I am not saying that you should let your parents have the final say. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is that there is an insight that comes only with experience and with time and with pain and mistakes and sorrow. There's an insight that comes that you are not going to get where you're at. But 25, 30, 35 years on the flip side of that marriage, someone can look back and see those things. And listen, this is not, uh, this is not 
I'm not casting dispersions on a generation. <laughs> All right. Seriously, I'm not because it's this, all of us, those of you who are older, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, how many of you are, are, are just so grateful that your parents stopped you from dating that guy, right? How many of you are so thankful that your mom said something about that girl? There's an insight that comes with time. And listen, when you're younger, you tend to only look at what's in front of you. It's just, it's just how we are. And we don't see things because we don't have that experience. Now, this isn't a, a, a series on dating and marriage. Uh, we're, we did that last year. We're not going to do that right now. But, but there's one thing I want to leave you with. One thing I want you to take away from that, and it's this. Time and money don't change who you are. They reveal who you are. And a lot of times, especially when you're younger and you, you see somebody and they seem to check all the boxes and they seem to fit really well. And there's some things that you don't like and you think, man, when I get, when, after we get married in the future, they'll change. Or maybe for some of you, you're gonna, you've said, you know what, I know I'm like this, but once I marry this person, I'm going to change. And it's not true. Time and money don't change who you are. They reveal who you are. They show you who you are. That's why for some people, you, you, you look back in time and, and, and you, you see that um, they, were, they were this one way. And when they get older, I've heard this all the time. Man, money really changed that person. No, it didn't. Money didn't change that person. That person was like that the entire time. Money just revealed who they were. So... I'm going to skip through these things here. The last thing I want to leave you with is this. Ongoing consistency always beats short-term intensity. And what do I mean by that? Well, Albert Einstein once said that the eighth wonder of the world was compound interest. He said the person who understands it earns it. The person who doesn't pays it. And compound interest is simply building on, building on a little bit every, every period, every month, every year. It's just building on and on to that. And one of the things that I've always said here for us at this church and for the volunteer teams who work here and work so hard here, from the very beginning, what I've told them is, is that all we're looking for is to make a 1% improvement every week. 1%. Tiny, tiny little change. We're not, we don't ever make big, huge changes. We make tiny little change. 1% improvement every week. Because at the end of the year, you will have made a 50% improvement with just a 1% improvement every year or every week. One and a half times better than you are. Because that's how compound interest works. So uh, all of you on your seat today, you, you should have found a domino. Right? Did you? If not, then you're sitting on it. <laughs> that's not your wallet. That's a domino. All right. I, I want you to take a look at this domino because this domino that you've got there is about five millimeters, five millimeters long, uh, tall. If, if you took this domino and you did exactly that, you made it one and a half times bigger. I mean, if, if I had the, the dominoes, if I had somebody who could make dominoes and we just started to stack the dominoes like this and we would stack each one after it and each one was just one and a half times bigger than the one that is in front of it. By the time we got to the 13th domino, it would be three feet tall and weigh 100 pounds. 
Because that's how it works. A little bit, a little bit, every single time. Ongoing consistency always beats short-term intensity. And the problem we have is that we don't like that. We want things to happen right now. We want something to, to change and we just make this big, huge push. That's why everybody joins the gym in January and everybody quits in February. Right? We, we make the big, huge push and we want it to change and it fades out. But ongoing consistency always beats short-term intensity. And so I want all of you to have a domino. I want you to take this home. Some of you are not. That's okay. But some of you are going to put it in your pocket. You're going to put it in your purse and you're never going to see it again. That's all right too. But I hope that for some of you, you're going to take that domino. You're going to put it somewhere. You're going to see it and you're going to be reminded that it's the little changes. 1% a week. The 13th domino is three feet tall and weighs 100 pounds. The 29th domino would be as tall as the Empire State Building. That's how big it would be. They did a study in Australia, a dermatologist, they got together, they did this study. They had a, a group of 900 people, and the average age of the people in the group was 39. And they divided them into two groups. Uh, there was one group, and what they said to them, 450 of them, they said, what we want you to do is whenever you go out and it's really, really sunny, when you go out to the beach or when you're out in a place and the sun is really coming down, we want you to put on sunscreen. You know, the kind that they sell uh, at the store. So it's like SPF 55, SPF 60, SPF 70. Every time you go out into the sun, we want you to put that on, protect yourself. The second group, they said, we want you to take this SPF 15. That doesn't seem very fair. Right? These guys got the 50, 60, 75, and they said, put on this SPF 15, but put it on every single day. Every day? Yes, yeah, every day. Well, what if I'm staying home all day? Put it on. What, what if I'm not leaving the house? What if I'm going to just be inside the entire time? Put it on. What if I'm up at the North Pole and there's only 15 minutes of sun for the entire day? Say, put it on. And so they, they went back and they looked at them five years later. And the group that put on the heavy sunscreen every time they went out into the sun, visible aging after five years. There's a, 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 there's a, a, a scale that they use uh, between one and six to grade your skin. And one is like a baby's skin and, and six, I guess, would be like an elephant's skin. I, I don't know. It's just, you know, whatever the scale is, right? So these 900 people, when they started, average age 39, the, they're, they're, the grade on their skin was at a four. That was the, the scale. They were at a four. After five years of putting sunscreen on, on their face, when it was sunny, five years later, their grade was a five. You could just see the change in their face. But for the group who put the SPF 15 on every single day, after five years, they, they, they had a picture of them on the day that it started, and they had a picture of them on five years later. And you could not tell the difference. Virtually unchanged. Over five years. Ongoing consistency always beats short-term intensity. And that's what we're going to be talking about. That's, that's the groundwork that I hope that I've laid today and what we're going to be talking about for these next four weeks is that, listen, what is true of your skin is true of your soul. 
And we have an opportunity because if you don't like where you're at right now, you can make a change so that you can be somewhere completely different five years from now. Paul reminds us of it like this. He says, get out of bed and get dressed. Get dressed. And and it's interesting because in, in another translation, it says, put on the armor of God. But I love this because... When you get out of bed, you dress for whatever you're getting ready to face, don't you? Right? If you're, if you're going skiing, you, you don't put on shorts and a tank top. You put on what is appropriate for you, for what you're facing. And so Paul says here, listen, get dressed, get appropriately dressed for what you're going to be facing that day. He says, don't loiter and linger waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ. And what does that mean? He means, listen, take what you know and what you love and what you've experienced in Jesus and put it on you like you're putting on clothes every single day. Does it mean you have to walk around and and start talking like, yes, thou art worthy of giving me my lunch? I'm not talking about just doing something stupid or, or making a big, huge change in your life. Small, consistent change over time. And so he says, dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Dress appropriately because the ways that you let in are the ways that will be set in. Set in you and set in me. And the life, listen, some of us, we say, man, I'm just stuck with this life. The life that we're stuck in is the life that we make. And God wants all of us to make it a good one. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.